Well, good morning, Evergreen Church family. Welcome to sunrise, Easter sunrise service. I hope that all of you are able to watch this uh, service in the quietness of your home. You know, maybe your kids are still sleeping, and I pray that this might be just a moment of quietness that you'll be able to spend just together um, in all of your homes. Um, if your kids are up, uh, I just pray that they might be able to preoccupy themselves and play just for like 45 to 50 minutes, right? That'd be a major miracle, and so that's what we're going to pray for. This morning, I'm going to read through John chapter 20, verses 8, 1 through 18. And so if you have your Bible, please bring it, uh, just bring it, go get it right now. Um, just open it before you. If you have a tablet, go ahead and open it. And we're going to be reading through this. I'm going to work my way through this passage this morning. And we're going to experience the first Easter morning with Mary Magdalene. And so I'm going to uh, read again John 20. I'm going to be using the ESV version. And we're going to ask just the Lord to meet us through his word this morning, this Easter morning. I will first focus on verses 1 through 12, and then we'll enter into a time of reflection and worship. And then I'm going to come back. And we're going to return to verses 12 to 18 and then end our time exalting the Lord. Okay, do you have your scriptures? Have your Bible open? John 20. John 20. Before I read, let's open this time in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come before you in the quietness of our homes. And Father, I ask that you, by your Spirit, would minister to us. Lord, you know what each of us are going through. Lord, you know how this past few weeks have been. You know the struggles within our families, the tension in relationships, but you also know the joys the moments when we've had, that we've had as a family, the laughter. And Father, you're also familiar with the frustration and the failure. Lord, you know our worry for our jobs, for this economy, and for the health of those we love. Lord, you know all of these things. And you are with us. And so we come before you now and we ask you, Holy Spirit, that by your power, by your great love for us, you would speak to us. Thank you. In your name we pray. Amen. John 20. Now, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early, while it was still dark, and saw that the stone had been rolled away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, 
the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple, and they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stooping to look in, he saw that the linen cloths, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloths lying there, and the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in, in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went in and saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the Scripture, that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their home. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. And as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb. The apostle John, the author of this gospel, you know, he highlights the fact in, very, in verse 1 that while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb. Now, John uses the theme of light and darkness throughout his gospel. And he does it here again, and he does it to set the mood of Easter morning. And the overall mood of the very first Easter morning was not joyful and triumphant, but rather it was sorrowful and despairing. Mary, that first morning, Mary and all the disciples believed that Jesus was dead. And Mary was not going to the tomb to be the first one to see the risen Lord. She was going there in order to properly finish burying Jesus' body. Not to bury his body, to prepare his body for burial. She had absolutely no expectation that Jesus may have, may have been raised from the dead. That was not her expectation. And so when she goes there and she sees that the stone had been taken away from the tomb, her initial thought is not, oh my God, Jesus is alive. That's not her initial thought at all. Her first thought is that someone had taken his body and moved it. And so immediately what she thinks, her first instinct is to go and get help. And so she runs and she gets Peter and John and she tells them, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we do not know where they have laid him. The scripture says that Peter and John take off running toward the tomb. Now John doesn't record this, but Mary most likely ran and followed them because after Peter and John return home, after seeing the linen cloths and the faith cloth, face cloth that was on Jesus' head, it says that Mary is back at the tomb weeping. She's weeping. Now, the word translated weeping or crying in your Bibles, it's, it's not a word that means like a quiet crying, but it is a, a wailing, a loud sobbing. 
She is distraught and she's overcome with grief. She doesn't know where they have placed Jesus' body. And she's grieving. You know, when I read this, I, I ask myself, I wonder, why doesn't she remember Jesus' words? She sees the tomb and that it's open, it's empty, and the first thought in her mind isn't that he's risen. Why not? Why not? You know, Jesus had told his disciples on multiple occasions that he would be put to death by the elders and the chief priests, and in three days he would rise again. He said it often, and he said it so often that even the enemies of Jesus remembered this. Even his enemies. In Matthew 27, 62 to 64, it says this. It says, the next day, which is, sat, which is, the Saturday, which is a Saturday, okay, that is the day after preparation, the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered before Pilate and said, Sir, we, re- we remember how that imposter said, while he was still alive, after three days I will rise. Even they remember. Therefore, they said, order the tomb to be made secure until the third day, lest his disciples go and steal him away and tell the people he has risen from the dead, and the last fraud be worse than the first. And so knowing that Jesus was going to rise the third day after his death was something everyone knew. It was not a secret. And so why doesn't Mary even think of this when she sees the empty tomb. I think the reason is simply this, that in the moment of her deep sorrow and sadness, the tangible and traumatic experience of Jesus' death was more real and more true than his words. You know, she was there. She was there with, with Jesus' mother. She was there with the Apostle John, and she witnessed Jesus' lifeless, bloody, and beaten body hanging naked on the cross. And she watched them lower him from that cross, dead. And I think that th- that experience and seeing his dead body was more real, was more tangibly true than any words or promises Jesus had spoken while he was alive. Simply put, Jesus' words were overshadowed by the darkness of Mary's circumstances. Jesus' words, his true words, were overshadowed by the sorrowful circumstances that Mary found herself in. And so this sunrise service, we begin it in the darkness with Mary. And just as Mary did not deny the sorrow and suffering that was happening around her and within her, I want us also to be able to face and feel the real sorrow and pain of whatever you are going through. Over the past few weeks, all of our lives have been turned upside down, 
And for some of us, it's just been an inconvenience, and we've had to make minor adjustments. We've had irritations, but it's nothing life-shattering. But for others of us, it's been a major tectonic shift in the landscape of your life. There have been lost jobs, lost families, not lost families, lost finances, lost relationships, lost health, and lost opportunities and dreams. And for one family, I know there's been a lost loved one. And so let's bring our hardships and heartaches before the Lord this morning and ask Him that they not overshadow the light and truth of His living Word. Let's bring him before him everything that is happening, good and hard and difficult, for he knows it. And with Mary, enter into the, just the reality of what we're in. And so let's come before the Lord in worship and in reflection now. return now to John chapter 20. I'll start again in verse 11. But Mary stood weeping, sobbing outside the tomb, and as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting where Jesus' body had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you wailing? Why are you sobbing? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary, she turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord and that he said these things to her. As you carefully read this account, you see that Mary had become overwhelmed with sorrow and anxiety. The picture that John paints is that she, she's almost frantic. Actually, she is frantic. She's 
searching for Jesus. She's sobbing. I imagine her pacing and looking around the garden, trying to figure out where he went, where someone had taken his body. In verse 14, after she looks into the tomb and she sees the angels, it says that she turns and she sees Jesus. She asks him where he went or, or where, uh, if, if he knows. Actually, she doesn't say anything. She turns and she sees him. And then in verse 16, Jesus speaks to her and says that she turns again. And so if we just follow the account and she's looking in the tomb and she turns to see Jesus and then Jesus speaks to her. And if we just follow the account that says that she turns again and says, Rabboni, But if we just follow the account, that means she's facing away from Jesus, right? That makes no sense. But probably what's happening is, again, she's frantically looking around. She's pacing. And already three times now, she has said that someone has taken Jesus' body away, and she doesn't know where they have put him. She said that to Peter and John. She said that to the angels that she, see, that she saw in the tomb. Yeah. She doesn't even ask, you know, what are you doing in there? She's just consumed with this thought of where is Jesus' body? And now even to Jesus, she's unknowingly asking him if he knows where he is. Right? She's lost in the darkness of her sorrow. She's just completely lost and she's forgotten the true and living hope of Jesus' words. But this is the glory of Easter, and this is the love of our Christ, that he does not leave her in her darkness. He does not leave her searching and lost. And Jesus will not leave you, and he will not leave me, nor anyone willing to seek him, he will not leave you in your darkness. Jesus mercifully calls Mary's name and turns her whole world right side up. John doesn't mention this, but when Mary turns, she must have lunged and and just gripped Jesus with an iron-like hug so tightly. Because in verse 17, Jesus says to her, you know, to stop clinging to me. Her whole world is made right again. Her sorrow is turned into joy, and a river of hope comes flooding and washes away her despair. And most importantly, I think this is most important, that the power and the authority of Jesus over death and over all things in heaven and earth is reestablished. He is King of kings. He is Lord of lords. He is the Son of God, and he is alive. He is alive. And so, beloved, in this first Easter morning, Although hardships in your life and in my life might overshadow 
the words and promises of Jesus, he will never leave you. He will never leave you. Even if you're lost, and even if you have forgotten his words, he will seek you. He will pursue you. And he will call your name. For he is alive. As we enter into this last time of worship and exaltation, I'm just going to ask the Lord that he meet us, that he speak to us. We might know much about the Lord. We might have heard his, you know, maybe even grown up in the church and have heard his promises, have heard the stories. And yet the reality of his power, the power of his resurrection, that he is alive today and he is with you, might not be felt. And so let's come before the Lord in prayer. Let's just ask that as we worship him now, he might have mercy upon us, that he might shatter the, the bonds of sin and of darkness that might blind our eyes from promises we know from his word, maybe promises we have memorized, Romans 8, 28, James 1, Psalm 56. There's different passages that we know are true, but we did not hear this morning. And so, Father, we come before you in the name of your Son, Jesus. You are alive. You are exalted high, and you are true. You reign upon this land. You are Lord of Lord. All authority in heaven and earth are yours. And you have overcome the power of death. And you have freed us from the grip of sin, of selfishness, of pride and arrogance, of a small, loveless heart. You have delivered us, and you have brought forgiveness and hope, Lord. On this Easter morning, you are alive, and your love for us is unending. And so, God, we come before you in worship, and I pray, Lord, I pray you'd have mercy and call our name. Remind us that you are alive. You are working. And your will will be accomplished. Thank you, Father.